Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, welcome to MXP number four with Mach and Payjack. It's the fourth time we've been doing this, Paul. Mm. Uh, I've enjoyed the first three. Actually, I think that sounds like you're setting us up for like a. I've enjoyed the first three. Yeah, I have. Yeah, that was just, it. I'm just not setting just you up for anything. Okay, it was cool, a statement. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, I think the third was my favourite so far. I okay. We sort of hit our groove, mm. like as podcasters, yes, uh, and YouTubers. I feel mm. like we've got a lot to live up not to. Not YouTubers, Chris. What else then? Just real fellas. Oh, yeah, fucking hell. Brandon. <laughs> Jesus. Um, that brings us actually quite nicely onto the page this week. And we did ask in, the, in uh, episode number one for a page jingle. Mm. And Paul, I have been sent one. Okay. Um, you've been sent one as well, mm. but you don't check the emails. No. So here we go. It escalated quickly. I mean, he shot the he shot the things that we don't like there. That's, okay, let, let's get your thoughts on that <laughs> in the comments. Um, we're on Spotify as well, and we're on iTunes as well. Loads of people have been asking. Um, you can just search Mage X Payjack, or there's a link which I put about fifty times in the comments of the last um, the last video, but we'll put it in there. Yeah, the, the, in the it's description. Bit.ly forward slash MXP Spotify and Bit.ly forward slash forward slash MXP iTunes mm-hmm. for those as well. We'll put them, of course, in the description and the first comments, and we will timestamp just like we did last week. Yeah. Um, so we are talking page, Paul, and, and, and what are you paging this week, mate? I've had a real st- struggle with this, if I'm perfectly honest, without because I'm, I'm, in, I'm in danger of collapsing into an existential funk at the moment because of football. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I desperately want to purge from this earth football Twitter. And it's been about a year. Ooh. It's been about a year. I did a video about, on this and how it, how it was just it was just bad aids on my, on my channel ages ago. But it's just worse, and it's never going to get any better. And it's this notion of every it's it's fan it's access to fans of other football clubs and how horrendous that has made the existence of being a football fan. And I I I love it in some instances. So for example. I went to university and you go to like freshers' nights out or whatever and you'd end up chatting with lads and inevitably you end up chatting with lads about footy and it was amazing. I absolutely loved it because you were meeting lads from like Chesterfield fans and Stockport fans and Arsenal fans and you know Sheffield United fans and, and blah 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 and you were all getting together over your love of football. There was no banter. It was just 
you just like, oh wow, and you, you you shared the little bit you knew about those football clubs from like chat manager, footy manager, FIFA or whatever, and it, it gave you the bond. Whereas now it's just nothing but horrendous banter. Why do we live in a world where like other fans, fans of other football clubs seem to know more about your football club than than, than you do? It's like who's got the, the the time for this? And it's a constant gnawing, clawing, desperate, just bile-filled, hateful experience logging onto Twitter, waving when your football club's doing well because you've just got people who are constantly poking at and this fucking, doing the fucking fishing emoji thing, oh my God, shove it up your ass. Honestly, stick it so far up your ass that you're sick it out your mouth because you just... Going out of your day and your way to make other people feel uncomfortable and un- 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 unhappy. Oh, life does that anyway. To be honest, I mean, I could quite happily just purge social media. Yeah, I think. So. But, but the football Twitter is the worst part of social media. It is the worst of social media. Like what? Like genuinely, genuinely. Why do people give a shit? Yeah. Like why do I care what you fucking what you're tweeting if I don't know you? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's madness, like. But the the football Twitter side of things, and you've got these accounts that just literally live mm-hmm. on making other people miserable, yeah. and they're huge accounts, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I got one, and it's and I don't not looking to to dig him out in particular. Um, it was from a tweet from I think it was DT after the Man City Leicester game, and he's and it was something along the lines of. If Liverpool finish Liverpool finish second by whatever, is it still considered a good season despite the fact that you you um, like blew a seven point lead or whatever? And it's like, why are you asking the question? Do you really want to know the answer? Are you genuinely interested in the answer? You're not. You're just out to point score. You're out to try and put a little bit of snide on something. Now, now here's the thing. Either be horrible or, or 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 don't. But the idea of like trying to trying to trying to wrap it up as though it's some sort of intelligent football. I'm actually asking a really important question. You don't fucking care. You don't fucking care because if you did, you'd ask the Liverpool friends, the actual real people that you know about it, and go, "How do you feel? Oh, you actually you actually really pleased that the club's made loads of progress? Okay, fine. Well, I'll drop it then. But it's not. It's a again. It's a constant desperate need for attention and to deflect. And don't get me wrong. I, I've, I've said this plenty. I've lived in. We've lived in this world where the team we ate most in this world, Manchester United, have just been incredible for most of our adult lives, our well, childhoods and adult lives. Um, so I've enjoyed plenty of times when things have fallen off for them. But the problem is that used to exist in our heads and it maybe used to exist in little pockets in pubs and bars and on the school or school ground or whatever. And now it exists constantly 24-7 in your face. And it is wearying. I am so tired of football this season because it's hard enough supporting your football team whilst also balancing kids and a life and a fucking mortgage and a business and all this and then you've just got and it's not I'd love to say it was loads of fucking weirdo virgins in the bedrooms but it's not it's grown men it's it's grown weirdo not virgins and, and all kinds of people from all sorts of weird walks of life and social backgrounds and all that who have just seemed to think that this is how you're meant to communicate about football because we think that like we get, loads of us get enjoyment out of seeing other people fail mm. do you think that's what it is it is making other of, people feel uncomfortable it, it might be a bit of that I just think it, it, it's that it's deflection isn't it I think when your football becomes your life and this thing in your hand Twitter it's like People who, who need to watch Sky Sports news on constantly, or people who, who watch Deadline Day from start to start to finish, because it's become part of your culture of how you, exp- you interact with football. Or whatever, it's the it's people who tweet during the match. 
you know, it, I mean, I do a bit, I've known to do a bit of it here and there, but it's the people who are constantly, constantly there. It's like because it's there, you need to f- fill this void of space. And we've all done it. We've all gone to type a tweet or a Facebook status update and gone, the fuck am I doing that for? No, I think not Not everyone has that filter. I think more, I find myself having that filter more and more as I get older. But I think people just fill the void. And when you've gotten, and we, we've often talked about this, you get this in your working world as well. When you've got nothing in common with people, you communicate in misery. And so anyone, anyone, anyone's ever worked a, a shit office job or a shit, you know, retail job or whatever, you basically bitch and moan all day long. And that's what people do when you've got nothing nice to say. You feel as though you should be doing something. So you'll chuck some shite out there and when you can't be asked on what your football club anymore you'll take pot shots at other people's happiness because it'll make but you feel really better. like other than Man City fans nobody should be taking pot shots at us this season mm. and even then I'll be honest right, I'm, I'm kind of starting to make me peace with Liverpool are probably going to finish the season empty uh, handed in terms of silverware this year and I, and I, I, I have a strong feeling there's going to be loads of City fans who are just like trying to rub it in face at the end if Liverpool were to somehow manage to win the league this season, and, and it'll obviously come down to a last day thing, and if they do it, I won't be like going, ah, City fans, ah, in your face. I can't help it. I I, I will be able to, I feel I feel a, a sense of, I don't know the way of it, but magnanimous over it to some, to some extent because it's been an incredible race and I'd love to be able to, I'd be clapping Man City, I'd be applauding Man City if it was the other way around. I just live in this sphere of, I'm not asked. It's bad enough living in the with the reality that's probably going to happen to Liverpool, but it's the backlash. It's fucking an entire summer of just weirdos and again weirdos, minge bags and virgins all trying to take pot shots, and it's like. What the the mad thing is for me, I like what I don't get about it all is that supporters are doing it, mm. and like I know that it happens on social media all the time. Just take a step back and just think about that. It's not the lads on the pitch who are doing it, and they'd be well within their rights to do it, and mm-hmm. they'd be well within their rights to take pot shots at the other teams in the league who they've beaten. It's lads who just like football and support a team. Yeah. Now, what right do they have because they happen to be maybe born in a city and support their team, or they were gravitated towards a football team from a distance? You've got no right whatsoever. You've done nothing but wank in your bedroom every night for the last 365 days. We all know this. Yeah. So why are you taking a pot shot at some lads who's actually made it in life? Yeah. A lad that maybe has scored 22 Premier League goals this season, scored 30 of last season. What have you done with yourself? You've put a cut on your own dick because you've been fucking wanking that hard and you're having hard. a pot shot at Mo Salah yeah, go fuck yourself yeah. again yeah absolutely once again yeah football twitter is getting pissed if anyone else wants to share and share us take up this baton this fight with us by all means do I mean it's not like I'm going to delete the app because I need it for business purposes but uh, I wish I could I genuinely wish I could what are you purging this week I am purging shit marketing campaigns on men's health products okay that you didn't expect me to say that did you ten of men no, well, I don't know. I've never seen them, Paul. But where the are they in the supermarket? They had the adverts in, in the Anfield bogs for ages. Did it's they, basically like they must be a little bit high for me. If you've got a little bit of a leaky penis, I have seen them go yeah. to the doctors and all that. Oh no, no, that was a different one, wasn't it? <laughs> it was the blood in your pee. There was oh, yeah. one in the men's yeah. in the cop there. No, it's shit like on toothpaste. So I've got one here for you, Paul. Three D looks okay. on your toothpaste. Yeah. What, what is that? 
Oh yeah. It, what so is that? It's to try and it, it's these. It's to make things sound better than they are. But when you actually stop and think about it, what the fuck is three D looks yeah. in a toothpaste or Monster Hydro? You mean Monster Water? Because that's kind of what Hydro <laughs> is. Are you now branding a fucking soft drink? Because water, go ahead. G Fuel Hydration Blue Rocket Pop. Electrolytes focus vitamins. What does that mean to the average fucking mm. man? Absolutely fuck all. L'Oreal men expert. Hydra Energy again. Hydra Energy. You're basically asking me to pay you loads of money to put water on my face. I pay me water bills, thanks. <laughs> Get on these three. Scheme cream. Hybridized wax and gravity paste. What are they? Gravity paste. Hair gel. They are exactly yeah, yeah. what Gra- the gravity thing is what's up. But yeah, I mean it, it's Essential too- Oxygen, what is that what is that selling? Oh, I think I know this one to be fair. I think this is another face cream, isn't it? It's toothpaste. Oh really? Essential oxygen toothpaste. Essential what oxygen. the fuck are these things? Yeah, bullshit. Um yeah, I love the idea. Two things. It's either to make things sound more expensive than they are, or to make things sound sciencey. Yeah. Yeah. Why? It's bullshit. And the thing is, mate. What not, not so much that the, 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 those that way of marketing the same version. It's that it exists at all because it's and I, it's. I feel sorry for for women because women have had this stuff fucking hoisted upon them for their entire lives. Like they're made to feel now like they can't leave the house without basically painting their faces. Like you know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, and all the other shit that goes with, with, with being being a woman as well. It's terrifying. And now someone's cottoned on to the fact that they've kind of reached market saturation with that. Well, we've got 50% of the population that we can basically fuck up as well by doing exactly the same stuff. So we've started marking all this stuff to men like you, basically. You're going to be dead wrinkly and grey. and You mean old? We're going to get old. Heaven forbid. Um, yeah, it doesn't it, make any yeah, sense. It it, like, I, it was, Remember that Audi one from years ago? Um, truth in engineering or something like that, and then they got done with the emissions, you black artist, because yeah, obviously yeah. Volkswagen own Audi and stuff yeah. like that, don't they? And it's like, all these little catchphrases that are just a load of fucking shit. Yeah. Get them in the bin, get them purged, yeah. please. Please Ridiculous, like. Um, so we're going to go on to some of the news topics then for this week. Um, let's do Game of Thrones first and foremost, mm. and I'll try not to put spoilers at the end of this podcast like last week. <laughs> Apologies. Tom an absolute twat of an edit last week. Yeah. Um, those spoilers, I don't even think got marked up in the at the end of the podcast. Oh, really? No, I don't think so. I was, looking, I was looking this morning. <laughs> Thanks, like. yeah. um, so, Game of Thrones, first and foremost. Let's talk about the episode before we talk about a little bit of the fallout and stuff. And, and, and uh, let look. Did you see the dragon die in there? Mm. Everything no. was fine. It was hunky-dory. But it's pure, pure, pure Game of Thrones brilliance, isn't it? Like, I was secretly hoping for, like, it was going to be a proper battle and then the, the dragon was going to come back for one last bite or something. But nah, nah, they just got absolutely wiped out. What I, What's funny about this is that that, the, that episode was a season's worth of stuff happened in that episode by, or by the standards that have been set previously. So, like, them planning to go somewhere and do something would have been the journey, yeah. would have been an entire series. And now it's just like, they're now in the middle of the ocean. They've now had their asses kicked. They're now back again. Are you kidding me? Like, they're just going, oh, fuck it, go on, let's just get, let's just, let's just power through it. No, I, um, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a fucking a hell of an episode of them, uh, Missandra or whatever her name is, getting beheaded at the end of the mm. show and stuff. I mean, just ridiculous. And it's funny you mentioned that there, Paul, that, you know, they've, they've essentially, plan to go somewhere and gone somewhere they could have made more episodes this series because mm. there could have been stories that happen along the way yeah. it's madness yeah, like. they're just not asked they're just and, and then all of a sudden 
you've they're out they're in King's Landing again. Oh that was it, yeah. They're just there and they're facing off and it's like the pacing of this, like it's gonna, I because I've I've not re, I've never rewatched an episode, so like I, I've I've just watched it every year, year on year, watch it one time, one time only. It's gonna feel weird if you, if you to go back and watch the whole thing. It's gonna be so jarring, like like it's gonna well, it's like the scenes missing, like yeah. you know, like you're watching a really weird, overly edited, like a YouTube compilation version of of, of a series. Um, but cool, I like the way that it's set up, and I like the way that. They are slowly starting to set up that um, Amelia Clark, who is whatever her name is, yeah, Daenerys, is going to be a bit of a psychopath. They're just setting it up that she's going to lose her head probably at some point, and 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 you know, or she's going to at least be faced with that decision of do I become my father, be dad, or do I step aside and help? Help John, and uh, yeah, they, 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 where are you thinking? Where are you thinking that's going to end? Uh, I think she's going to become mad. Mm. You know, her dad was the Mad King. She's gonna go absolutely crazy. Nah, I think she'll. I think because she's too, she's too popular. I don't think you can have for 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 feminism. I don't think you can have, have that. And I think, oh, a, especially because you've got the because you've got Cersei, and I, I I think you'll have she she will be at the brink, and I think she will she will turn up turn back on and come back on it kind of thing to some extent. But I like I like the fact that. The thing I like the eye Stark stuff. I like the fact that there was no they, they could quite easily have just finished their story off and had their go and be settled down and have love and romance and it's like it would be a total kick in the face to her character development over the entire show. So they go, no, no, this is this is it. Who she is? This is who she's she's had to become this person to be the person that saved the day. And there's no, oh well, I'm now I can go back to a nice normal life anymore. She's irreparably. Changed her, her personality and character and all that, so yeah, all of it's gonna. But, but well, go on, what, what, what do you think it's gonna? Really I think cool. Jamie Lannister's gonna push Cersei out of tower window now. Oh, go on, yeah, just to really bookend the show and then cripple it and then go back to having his way with it again or something. Yeah, I mean, I did the weird thing I turned around to, to Kat last night and we were watching it, and he was obviously getting on with the Brienne of Tart or woman mm-hmm. and all that. And I'm there going, Kat. Does she, does she know he spends, you know, his entire adult life fucking his sister? And is she okay with that? Because mm. I know she's not had sex before, but character flaw, like, I mean, you, you know, you might get... There's, there's a big guy there who just wants to fuck you. Yeah. Who's the best character in the show, by the way. He's, yeah. he's the only comedic sort of breath of fresh air. And he just wants to have sex with you because you're a big, tall woman. Why are you going for the guy who shags his sister with one arm? Mm. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. Why is she... Why is she... Why? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, she's obviously not got a lot of... He's just... Yeah, he's a better-looking fella, isn't he? So what? He's only got one arm. Yeah, no, but you don't... So? Maybe she's into that. (laughs) No. Can you you put your fist one on, please? Just (laughs) multiple hands. (laughs) Put your closed fingers one on. Um, (laughs) Can you swap to two fingers now, please? Yeah, go on. Yeah, there we go. Um, so there's a few more things. Obviously, before before the game, uh, before Game of Thrones came out, the greatest commentary in the history of commentary in football came out with and with the Newcastle game. Yeah, so Arlo White, who does the American, I think it's the NBC commentary, it is, isn't yeah. it? I, um, just un- unbelievable. We won't be able to put all of this in for you because we'll get shut down for copyright. Yeah, but uh, he he did a. Game of Thrones montage basically before the Newcastle game. He's brilliant. I love Arlo. He's a great fella. Um, but then Martin Tyler tried a little bit of that with Line of Duty did he? Uh, for Man City last night. Did he? It was terrible. Yeah. It was about 
10 minutes into the game, I think, and he started going on about Line of Duty, and Gary Neville went, do, do you watch... Do you watch Line of Duty? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a great show. And that was that. And it was like, you, you fucking jag, knock off Arlo. The best thing that come out of that, that game last night, actually, was the um, Gary Neville's, you see Gary Neville's live stream, looking the around. Looking, yeah, going into the Legends Lounge. Yeah, Gary, it's the Legends Lounge. It's the Legends Lounge. There's no one in it. Steve, Steve. Just look no one here. Just love it. Just absolutely love it. Oh, yeah, Georgie King Clancy. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't like Gary Neville very much, but he, has, he definitely has his moments. And the final thing on Game of Thrones before we move on to the next topic, um, the coffee cup pull. Mm. What, how does that happen? Yeah. How? I mean, it's probably at least a year in the edit, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Someone's someone's left a coffee cup on the table, and at no point in this world where, in this, uh, where you can create dragons on screen and you can make that it seem like there are tens of thousands of people marching across a, 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 a distant landscape that no one A spotted the fact that there's a coffee cup on B digitally removed said coffee cup. Fucking hell we had one on Redmen the other week we had to we had to play it out and play it out. Five of us Kish and we're all fucking idiots. We are and we all managed to get it done. Fucking idiots and we managed to not look, we, see how many idiots I'm going backwards. I got the stuck on the fucking pillow. Jesus, I'm gonna purge that pillow next week. Wow, um, brilliant! Right, okay. So, so how, how, how? And like, oh my god, Daenerys, it's right in front of you, love. Yeah. Come on, come on, come That's on. That's a lot of trust, isn't it? And your, your production team, and it's fallen, fallen flat on its face. Um, okay, so I want to talk about the royal baby. I don't know what it's called. I know it's a boy. Um, I like the fact that that I speak to my father-in-law and he immediately went, does it look like James Hewitt? Because uh, there's obviously that wonderful thing from back in the day where Harry's probably not Charles's kid. If you look at Mr. Hewitt and you look at a picture of young Harry, yeah, there's the... Each, um, hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I, I attempted to purge this, but the pure joy... That it brings to the, oh, the you can't pitch exactly to the, the pure joy that royal babies bring to middle-aged women. But I've been at work and trying to work and I can't because I'm too excited. Is an absolute joy to behold. Um, so yeah, good on them. Good I on them. like my I I found out last night from my mum who is. slightly older than middle age, but very much a royalist and always has been like and. And my dad went. My dad walked into the room and he's like, "Is she talking about that baby again?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Do you know how? Do you know how I found out?" I was like, "No, go ahead, dad." And he's like, "So she, she was there. I was watching. I was reading my book in the other room." And she goes, Megan's had the baby! Megan's had the baby! And my dad walks into the room and like, who the fuck's Megan? Why are you so excited? Who's pregnant here? And she's like, Megan! Megan! And she couldn't speak. And she's like, Megan! And my dad's like, who is Megan, Brenda? He's like, the, the Prince Harry's wife! And he's like, Oh, for goodness sakes, and just walks off into the other room again. <laughs> like, your dad just turns his ear and aid off, flicks it off, just tops up his glass of whiskey, locks the bathroom door, and sits there with his bucket until, until, until the storm subsides. Now, I know my, um, my mother-in-law was like, oh, she was the one who delivered the news, because we were, cause we were in, all in ours yesterday, weren't we? And um, yeah, I mean... But she's also the kind of woman who had, I think she I, she might have, I think I'm right to say she had a Princess Diana plate in the house. So, you know, I, 
there's just people for whom this photo is. We sit here, look, we sit here and talk about 22 fellows kicking around thing into two rectangular things, like like it's the most important thing in the world. Which it is. Which it is. Um, but yeah, royals, more more lizard babies. My mum and dad got one of them. Um, I, th- I think it was it was some kind of whiskey. I think it was a Bell's special edition, and they don't drink Bell's. But regardless, anyway, for when. Um, Charles and Diana got married and it was a special limited edition and it was in like this porcelain something or other with a picture and all this beautiful uh, work on the front of it. And um, I think it's worth now about a thousand pounds. It would have been worth now about a thousand pounds because they got given it by my mum's uh, mum and dad. What did you do? I didn't do anything. My dad drank it um, (laughs) when he was out of whiskey one night. And my dad, at age 40, filled it up with tea. <laughs> <laughs> yes! So that the grandparents, or my grandparents, didn't know that he drank it, basically. like, And yeah, it would be worth about £1,000 now, and it's full of tea. Cold tea from the 80s That's sometime. Fantastic. Like, which is madness. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, what have you got? I've got, I saw this article on these football times about um, Brazil's World Cup stadiums and I know that this type of stuff's been going on for a long time but it's an incredible article first and foremost and it talks about the money that was spent on these stadiums and what they're all doing now and some of them are like, they haven't, most of them haven't got football teams playing in these ginormous stadiums from the World Cup, it was 2014 was it, the Brazil mm-hmm. World Cup, something like that. And like they're literally have holding weddings there and birthday parties to try and get some kind of money. And uh, I think it's uh, what's the uh, the Brazilian team that begins with a C? Corinthians. Corinthians are playing in one of them. They're paying. They're getting three hundred thousand pounds a game, and they're playing in one of these World Cup stadiums. But the costs are one million pounds a week, yeah. so they're losing. And bas- basically, they're playing probably I don't know how many seasons they have in Brazil. Like they have two seasons a year, yeah, do they? Like that, so they're yeah. probably paying about thirty or forty games at three hundred thousand. Yet there's fifty-two million going out, and you're just thinking to yourself, you've crippled this. There's thirty percent uh, more unemployment since the World. Cup was there and like why is this allowed to go on yeah it's well that because FIFA's corrupt as fuck isn't it basically like you mean and there's just people who are mega mega rich who just want to be around more mega rich people become more mega rich sleep with loads of prozies take loads of drugs and 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 and, and watch some footy in from big hotels and big stadiums it's crazy and it happens there is a there's a the, the, the legacy of all major sporting events is one of basically financial financial poverty and ruin because they come in, they go mental and stuff. Look, I mean, we got lucky with the Olympics that West Ham was stupid enough to take well, that we ground. Also, we also weren't lucky in the sense that we had a an infrastructure yeah. to our country. We're a small country with loads and loads of yeah, population. Yeah, yeah. So we have that infrastructure, those road networks, those rail networks, the, the uh, big enough sports teams to fill these stadiums regardless. But you're right, that West Ham one is a bit of an outlier for yeah. us even. But they, they, you know, we're getting the money into London. Didn't really have the rest of the country, I don't feel anyway. Yeah. But most countries, Brazil, for example, was it the... Manau or something like that where Liverpool, uh, England played No, one of those Amazon rainforest ones where everyone essentially lives in huts in the forest and there's this ginormous bird's nest uh, not the Chinese stadium yeah. a, a ginormous bird's nest stadium there and they're like 
why did you spend 300 million on that when I could have had a brick house? Yeah, yeah, well, you know they, what I mean? But they, that's why they were, they were writing and protesting in the build-up too, because people knew. In the, it was they, deaths. Yeah, exactly. And the, but this is happening now. You've got the Qatar World Cup, you know, uh, John Oliver on, on, on um, uh, last, whatever it's called, last week tonight, whatever it's called, um, did a great feature on this. You know, literally... There's people dying in Qatar now while they're building stadiums. They're falling into the concrete mix and they're just they're leaving them there because it takes more. It costs more to pull bodies out of the concrete than it does the dead. So there's, there's, there are literally skeletons in the foundations of the stadium that they're, that they're building. And once again, they're building football stadiums in a, in a, in a place that's not. Can you, this will be it. I think this will be the absolute zenith that next World Cup where, everyone, where the bubble finally bursts when everyone just goes. Well, this is just utterly ludicrous, isn't it? And that that will finally prove the absolute state. But it, it happens at every level, you know, whether, whether it's building stadia or it's putting events in places that aren't suitable for the events. It's, it's Kiev hosting the, the European Cup final yeah. last season. It's just because, again, the, these these officials just want to go... Well, yeah, they get, they get, it, they get paid off and they just want to go somewhere a bit different for a change. And they, and, and they mix things up. And yeah, but it's all like, even The Brazil one was mad because, obviously, Brazil's a massive footballer nation known the world over for being such a thing. But what they wanted to do was they wanted to bring football to different parts of Brazil. Because Brazil is so vast, I believe it's the east coast of Brazil that is the real football and heritage. Mm-hmm. And they went west coast and central when actually the, those stadiums could have maybe survived over yeah. on the East Coast, but they wanted to bring it to a new air. Like the, the main stadium where the World Cup final was held is the capital, isn't it, Brasilia? No one knows Brasilia is a footballing city. It's not a footballing city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rio de Janeiro is a, is a footballing city, isn't it, that everybody mm-hmm. knows? You know, absolutely fucking mental. And Randomly, this isn't on the news topics, and don't know how I'm going to go on to it from this, so I'm just going to zig and zag. I read an article just before we were going live about AirPods on Vice. Have you seen this by any chance? No. Now, AirPods are made of uh, materials that are dug up from the ground, right, and at huge expense to people's lives of who are digging these uh, materials up, and they are shaped in, like, furnaces and all this type of stuff, and they will take a millennia to dissolve back into the earth, right? But AirPods themselves, battery length, the lithium battery will start after two years to only last 45 minutes, Hmm. right? So they've got all this technology in these fucking Apple AirPods, and these are the worst, apparently, of them, that will not go away, you know? And people lose them all the time, and they're just going to stay there forever. They're going to be so many fossilised fucking AirPods in 2,000 years, and people are like, what the fuck did they do this for? Why are these things meant to last two years that won't actually ever leave the planet? It's mental, isn't it? I, mean, I, I, I just as a pure random one, actually, because I, I I wanted to do one on the uh, do a page again before we had a page as a thing on new phone technology and like you know the way, the way they're updated every single year and what a complete waste of time it was until I spoke to a fella. I was I was, I was flying home. Um, I got chatting to this fellow who sat next to me and he designs um, uh, artificial limbs. And I was, I was okay. Well, it's really interesting, like you I mean, because you see that the technology's moved on leaps and bounds in the last decade. Um, and he was telling me the the accelerometers used to be like an accelerometer used to be basically, or a gyroscope basically used to be like the size of a football, and it mm-hmm. used to cost like ten thousand pounds. But because of mobile phones, they're now the size of like a ball bearing. 
and they're so they're now so cheap and so readily available that the fo- mobile phone technology has moved on artificial limb technology absolutely streets because these things are now being mass produced and they've brought the cost of them down to absolute absolute pennies. So I just thought it was one of those random things that the the I I can't stand the way that I always think why are we spending money on more tellies? Like, yeah, do we yeah, need yeah. an? Do we need eight K tellies? We very much don't need eight K tellies. Do we need to have a new iPhone? Do but we it's need pushing to have a new other Samsung? boundaries. But in in mass the mass production of new technology is actually being is making it more. Fun. Now the problem is, of course, it's all still capitalism, which means that it's all being driven in a, it, it. It's it's not being driven in the right way, and it all it still boils down to. I'd love to see what would happen if instead of throwing money at consumer you know fancies you put it towards things that we need to what, what developments could we actually make but uh, i just thought it was one of those nice little it, random it, it's aside. mad that though isn't it normally i think normally most technological advances happen from porn mm, like certainly in video technology nvidia like 3d came in porn <laughs> came in porn oh. um, <laughs> very very early compared to how it got to the masses in gaming and stuff like that and you see like thumbnails in videos where did you first see thumbnails porn sites and then all of a sudden youtuber picked them up like they're the real winners here mm. porn are the real preview advances? preview when you hover over a video youtube didn't have that face it's funny the guy was the head of football um jet nathanson his name is and he was banging on youtube for ages to get on this and they refused and they refused and now they do it because basically the porn industry's had it for, 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 for fucking yonks um right and absolute the, the best thing that happened in the last week or so in the world um was Tommy Robinson. So you come here very aggressively. That's what you get for being a fascist! Getting milkshakes. So apparently he got milkshakes swilled twice. I've only seen one video. Uh, a young Asian man just decided that he had enough of them. Good on him. And in his, I think he got, you know, my hand just slipped. He basically got a kicking for it. Yeah. And um, he, for me, is my absolute hero of the week. And I think he should be held up on a, on a pedestal as a wonderfully brave young man. Um, Tommy Robinson. He doesn't deserve getting battered. And he doesn't deserve like anything really, really, truly bad. He deserves that. He deserves custard cream pies in the and, face, and a pantsing, and uh, like uh, gunging, like yeah, like sort yeah, of like old school. yeah, like Saturday morning kids telly, green gunge dropping on his head, and all these like being put through funhouse. He deserves tarring and feathering. Love it. He doesn't deserve to be like beaten up or shot or hung or anything like that. Get him in a house with Macaulay Culkin. Oh my god! Just Just micro that. machines. Bubbles, yeah. hot fucking yeah. I mean, doorknobs. I mean, maybe throwing to the face. Maybe throwing bricks from the top of a building's a bit far because you're talking major serious head trauma there. No, I mean, didn't happen to the, the sticky bandits. Yeah, all the, the, the wet bandits. Um, no, but like, I, I, I absolutely love this, and I would, you know, I, he is one of the greatest shit stains on the face of planet Earth. And he only seems like less of a shit thing because there's a bigger one in the White House. Mm. And um, but like you know, f- right fundamental right wing politics is just absolutely but horrendous. It's them, it's them fucking security guards and stuff. And like Tommy throws a couple of digs, don't he? And like, don't do it, Tommy. We need you, Tommy. You're the face of this, Tommy. And like you're a fucking prick, and you you behind him are a fucking prick, and you next to him are a fucking prick. Yeah. You're all absolute fucking. Pricks. He's just a bad melt, isn't he? And the more milkshakes he gets thrown in his face, the better. To be perfectly honest. Just and if we, if someone could like draw a penis on his back in chalk or something. All of that. Don't just make him out. Just make him a laughing stock. That's the only way to ruin people like that. Is to basically make him so embarrassing to follow. 
because that because you, you, you're talking about the the people. There's I'm not saying everyone who follows him, by the way, because you might have some people who are just drawn in for whatever reasons. But there's a lot of morons there who just need to be you know need to be taught in ways that they understand. He needs to be made out to seem like a weak little bellend. And if yeah, so, so chalk penises on his back, kick me notes. All the old school back. ones as well. Tying like his shoelaces he, together when, he's, when, he's, when he sat when he's down. having his lunch, undo the vinegar bottle so oh, when he pours it over his and chips all and the salt. salt. Yeah, maybe pour some vinegar in his drink and you know nick his lesson plan so he doesn't know where he's going as you're walking down the corridor fart on his pillow so he gets pink eye perfect yeah absolutely whatever it takes do that to Tommy Robinson please Um, right just very briefly I just want to talk about this season in the Premier League and how it's ended up being it's going to end up being the worst Premier League season of all time in terms of drama so so we go into the last game of the season the relegation stuff is sorted. The top four race, which is the most embarrassing race I've ever seen in, in my life since, like, you know, since, like, my shorts fell down doing the uh, doing the, the 20 metre dash in junior school. Um, United and Arsenal are just so shit. It is hilarious. The, the teams that have got... I saw a great start, and I'm paraphrasing slightly. The teams that have got wear, a worse goal difference than United since Solskjaer took over... Is like Cardiff, Huddersfield, and Brighton. I think. Wow. I yeah. think I saw that like, before this weekend's games as well. Like amazing. They're just so terrible. I mean, it's it's been billed as a race for the top four. It's been anything but. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Chelsea are in third. How are Chelsea in third? Yeah. What the fuck's happened there? Yeah. Like Spurs, you were two points behind us, lads. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, the Chelsea stuff's even funnier because obviously their fans losing their heads about Sari and, and kicking off. And, and, and I, again, I don't watch them weekend. I don't watch them at all. But it always seemed a little bit reactive to me. It seemed like one of those situations where you had to wait to the season to see how well born out it was. Like if he finishes third, and I think they'll win the and Europa the Europa League. League. That's a that's as, almost as good as I mean uh, yeah that's as good a season as what you can have from do? Chelsea's position <laughs> exactly he won the Europa League and where did they finish with him I don't know fourth I think they, 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 they scraped right. into um, but uh, or maybe I can't remember but the, the the point is that's a really good season considering where, where they are um, and now they're about to enter the spell where they can't buy players and the best players are going to leave so they, they should be appreciative they need that um you know, they need the managers to continue to just go the way he's going. If he can't sign players, they just need to develop that side. And I think Sadi's probably the right choice to stay with them. But you never know what's going to go on there because you never know what Abramovich's state of mind is, do you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chelsea are... He's not asked anymore. No, well, is he allowed in the country yet? I have no idea. No idea. It's just mad, isn't it? Like, but yeah, I can totally understand that. And and Manchester United and Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, that's fucking funny. Mm-hmm. That's just fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Absolutely. Right, we'll move on. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To the discussion side of the show then. Paul, it's a focus on you again this week, mate. Um, what I thought would be interesting to discuss is, you know, we have so many people ask us about uh, Redmen and its beginnings and stuff, and I want to certainly discuss that in depth and detail, but also where it is now uh, compared to what you thought it might be and then where you see yourself probably in the next five to ten years and stuff. Mm-hmm. So why why Redmen? Why, why YouTube? What made you get into that? So... <laughs> Basically, we talked about the the, the week about how I kind of moved, how I moved back to Liverpool in 2005, and I had this burning desire to just start filming stuff and start making stuff. I'd, I thought I was going to fail my degree, and then I, and so I got a job, and then I never failed my degree. So I got my degree, and then I started doing this job, and then I kind of thought, yeah, had that thing of like, I should probably be doing something with this. So that's when I moved back, and, and as I'd said at the time, I... I tried to get a loan to buy a camera and I totally fucked my finances up, so couldn't. So then I was kind of back to square one of having to, to work and do stuff. And meanwhile, I've always kept notebooks and always just scribbled ideas down on a variety of random things. And it was that thing of, I just needed to start turning that from being sat in the back of, of a, one of our friend's bedrooms in a, in a cloud of smoke to turning something from writing loads of ideas down to actually making a step to making things a reality. So it was around that time just starting to make little videos and little clips and doing little bits and pieces. And for me, it was all, it's always been about taking stuff from here and making it a, a reality. So it was a quest really to find a couple of things. It was just, to, it was to find something that was good enough that we, that would could be done over and over again. It was about it was about making a job, trying to find something that people would be interested in. At the time, there's no like YouTube was there, but no one really knew what YouTube was. Not the cat videos and shit. Was yeah, it? exactly. It was it was it it was like YouTube was what Facebook is now. Is that you'd see videos would permeate into your life, but you never really thought about who uploaded them or or where they came from. So we never really thought about YouTubers or YouTube channels or whatever. It was just a sort of place to host random random videos, um, which is what I initially kind of used it for. Um, and it, it was just about trying. So it was about trying to get on telly. It was about trying to make. So it was like I said, I'd send scripts off to the film councils, trying to get funding for short films, and we made a couple of shorts to enter into short film competitions. Blah blah blah, and some of your earlier ca- earliest cameos are in all those things because um, it was just. Pulling... We're gonna put a couple of clips. Yeah, in. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely there's definitely legs. I think in a, in, a, in a one day we'll do a proper reacts to the really early stuff because it's horrendous. But um, it was do, just just keeping myself ticking because I was miserable. I was just absolutely down in the dumps because it's really hard to explain. But and it sounds a bit conceited, like, but it's like 
you feel like you something you should be doing with your life, and when you're not doing it, you just feel really empty. You feel like you you're fighting against the grain. You feel like you're walking uphill when you're doing the simplest of, of things in life. So it was like we tried so many different things. There was tons and tons of different ideas. I was like trying to make money by making music videos. Or- Or doing adverts for people, just doing little little videos here and there. And Redmen was just the one that kind of stuck. Yeah, yeah, it felt it felt like it had the most legs. You know, you, you, we, we you know we we used to sit around the pub, didn't we? You know, we think about that like. 2007 was probably the, around the real genesis of it because we used to go out, we just used to meet in the um, the 80s on Allerton Road to watch the Champions League games and we'd sit off and we'd, have, we'd drink beforehand and then we'd, we'd drink afterwards and that was kind of like that, that we, had, we developed a Uncensored match build-up show, watch the game, final word show straight after. Yeah. It's what everyone does in pubs. Exactly, and that was it. And it was a bit of like... Ooh, you know, kind of feeling like there's something, there might be something to that. And because we are LFC TV was free at the time, so it used to be on Sky. So it was one, of, and I used to joke that it was like the socially acceptable version of Babe Station, was those channels that as a fella, when there was no one else in the room, you'd put on. <laughs> you know, there's a reason most people's number nine buttons worn out on the uh, on the Sky remotes. Um, but then when you were done with that, <laughs> you'd put LFC TV on and you'd maybe watch Goal Rush. And it was just Goal Rush was good. Yeah, but it was like one presenter down the lens, very dry, very, very, very boring stuff, and just thinking, wonder if there's something we can make there that would make that a little bit better. So so what happened then did from the genesis of the idea to putting the show up and where was it supposed to sit if YouTube wasn't the place? So it was it was pitched to LFC TV originally, so I remember trying to desperately trying to track an email down, a, a, a bit of an email chain. Like I've got this thing, I want to speak to someone about something. Who can I get in touch with? And I eventually got past the the email of a guy called Paul Rogers, um, who was the head of content at LFC TV at the time when they were based in the the, the Matchworks and speak. Um, so it was me, uh, I, I mate Jerome from school, who was like he had the experience, so he'd work for ITV and BBC, and he had a really good camera, and he was the professional in the outfits. We were just the, the rank amateurs. Morons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, with nothing but dreams and, uh, and and smiley faces, like and um, so me and him managed to get our foot in the door when and got a meeting with them, and I had done this treatment document for the show, what it was going to look like, what segments were going to be, how it was going to be promoted, what why LFC TV wasn't working, how to engage better with fans, all this kind of stuff. And I t- we took it in and we pitched it to them and they were made up and I was like, what? And they were saying things like, well, we haven't got money, but we can sort it out with guests. We can help you out with things like tapes to record on tapes to record on. Um, do it all on my phone now. Um, and we, we walked away absolutely buzzing with it. Um, and then they just and I left them this folder, which is like one of the biggest mistakes of biggest mistakes in my life, because they started cancelling meetings on us, and then all of a sudden, over the next year, eighteen months, those ideas started to be drip fed into things that they they were doing, um, which was heartbreaking. Like, um, but we we made the pilot. Yeah, we'd done a few things, haven't we? Like, we tried a few things. Like, we painted the banner. 
the original Redmen banner in like 2007, 2008, I think. And we went to town to, and we did some Vox Pops, which we got about two, and it was the most soul-crushing That's thing horrible. ever. Horrible. That Vox Box is the worst thing you can do with a microphone and a camera. Yeah, it's horrendous. We think it's, all, we think it's easier than it is now because all we have to do is stand outside Anfield and people kind of flock over and want to talk to you, whereas to cold to do it cold in the streets is, is horrible to university students have put so many students off doing it because that's what they get asked to do for modules on the course god knows I've done it myself but we did that and we'd, we um, we kind of we got to the point where we were just trying to get that second meeting just to try to firm things up and I was taking days off work at the time I used up all my holiday days on cancelled meetings and I was fucking fuming by this point so we went and filmed the pilot in like the summer of 2009 it's a battle it's a good one. It's a battle. Yeah, really. It's the crossbar battle. The crossbar battle. Go for it. Outstanding. Um and cut it all together and there was a guy who's Jerome's mate uh, Darren Brady who, who did a lot of the editing for it and the, did graphics the graphics stuff, yeah. yeah he did a brilliant job on the graphics but both of those lads could, did the editing and one that I think it was Jerome went down the rabbit hole one night on it and started I think it was him it might have been that started cut, cut a laughter track to it and it is the worst. And like, you'll never see this on YouTube. It's not on YouTube anyway, because I refuse to put it out on YouTube eventually. But uh, it was fucking horrendous. And um, it nearly ruined the whole the whole thing. But we finally just said to them, look, we've got this pilot. Can we just have half an hour to, to show it to you? So we finally got back in and we showed it to them. And they killed themselves laughing. I don't, I don't think you were there for, for, with us for that. They killed themselves laughing over it. And... Um, and then we sat down afterwards and it was this Paul Rogers fella again and he goes, um, that was really funny, that really good. And the, the, one of the producers was like, oh yeah, great. And then he goes, um, did that joke need to be that long? Does it need two presenters? And bear in mind, all LFCTV's content was one presenter at the time. And it was, and I was like, you just wanted to make it then. And they said, well, we spoke to our advertising agency. Um, and they said, oh, to be honest, people are either going to love it or hate it. I was like, Yep, that's what happens with things. You know what I mean? People will have a lot of it. And basically what they were alluding to is they can't take the risk on it. And then they said, well, maybe we'll have like a public competition where people can submit their own ideas and the winner will get to be on it. And I was like, like so I spent like six months trying to get a toe in the door Got me toe in the door, got it slammed on it, and then I was basically holding the door open for all people to come in. And the problem is, is that we've we've never, you know, we've never been connected in the Liverpool scene. We never grew up in it. We don't know, we didn't know people in it. We just lads who knew each other and went went the game. So if it was going to boil down to like a popularity contest. There was, just, you know, someone was probably going to come along who knew all the lads from like, I mean, Spurs Shankly was probably very early days around there, but maybe knew them and would be able to create a ground for us. So I was. Fucking raging, so. But we yeah. did. We did have one of those guys come into our lives at one point, didn't we, Paul? Yeah. So um, Ray Osborne. So Ray Osborne was it was because that was kind of what kicked us off because we came we came full circle around that. So it, it, we we it, we sat on that pilot for like that was like summer two thousand and nine, and then I I had a, an operation on my shoulder around the Christmas, so I was off work for three months, and I was like. Do, going back to the drawing board of what videos to make, what to do, and this was sat there the whole time, like just gathering dust. And I was like, okay, well, we'll try and make something of it. So when it got round to the summer of 2010, 
I was like, right, we're gonna put it out. We're gonna we're gonna try it, see if people like it, and then we'll start making new stuff. And we put the first few clips out, and this fella Ray Osborne got into it, and he was part of Help Save LFC, which was people don't really remember now, but was a, a kind of an analog to Spirit of Shankly. They were a bit more, a bit more in your face, a bit more physical protests and that. Like, I, I, I think they maybe worked in conjunction or what have you. Um, but they they did the um, standards cut up the the, pro, the black protest shirts and what have you. And Ray was our biggest advocate uh, initially. Um, and he really went to Batford. Now he also set us up for our biggest earliest test because there was a video we did taking the piss out of Everton's pink kit. And um he, he, he told his lad, he his lad, his lad posted all over Everton forum, so we got fucking slaughtered, slaughtered. Weeks and weeks of getting annihilated when I was like turning comments off on YouTube because I was like, this is not what I got into it for. I just wanted to make some fun videos. So Liverpool fans didn't care to me that like Evertonians might have just YouTube. Start. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, but Ray, Ray Ray was the one who got us in, and he helped us with the you know we we started covering a lot of the protest stuff around around that and. Um, yeah, he, him, and a few of the guys around around that time were like really, because we were we were a bit daft, and we did we did we always done our things our own way. We never taking things too seriously, but also no one was giving coverage to this. Like you know, there was no BBC weren't turning up to cover this stuff and ITV and whatever. Yeah, so we did, and as a result, we kind of you know we gave these guys a, a platform to talk and stuff. And um, so yeah, that was our first real point of legitimacy I guess yeah I mean Ray was a massive influence I think for, for both of us wasn't he I think you know when probably at the point where you're thinking is this going to work and all that type of stuff this guy who is is Liverpool through and through mm-hmm. who's you know anybody who's been on Rourke, um, a massive forum. If you're not a Liverpool fan, we'll know him as Shankly Boy. And he started the old ass thread on there and stuff. And that, and that thread, I believe, still lives on to this day. And he was, you know, he was a huge post on there before he passed, unfortunately. And I don't think, I don't think Redmen would be here without his input. If I'm perfectly honest, yeah, it was him and um, there's a couple of guys. Roy Henderson was big at the time as well, of being a big supporter of us. And it just, you're right, it helped because you had fellas who were proper established in the Liverpool scene, almost giving us a. You know the the mark of approval or what have you, and yeah, he was, and he constantly fight to get us into into rooms. So we did it when they did the dear Mister Hicks stuff. They were the guys who put us forward to get involved with Mike Jeffries, who was the director of that. Really helped get us in the room, and uh, Ray passed away not too long afterwards. Uh, well, it was swine flu or bear flu, like a real out of the blue shock, and I was absolutely heartbroken. And because and it's one of those things we have it more and more the older you get, you know, particularly with Facebook. And people who've passed through are still on your Facebook, and you still they still crop up, and you still your see them. Birthdays and comments from people talking to them on their birthdays. And yeah, that's a weird thing. Yeah, and and you know, and yeah, he was a like you say a mega mega influence on me at the time because it was just a fellow I totally respected, and 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 weirdly just like, like he could have thought we were massive bellends, like and he and he never did. And lots of people did at the time because you know it's very difficult with the Liverpool scene to to break into things we'd lock with scousers we don't like new things we don't like people who, who, who think the, who, 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 who we think think are bigger than they are not that we ever have but there's a culture of if, well if you want to film yourself then maybe you, you presume you think you're better or your opinion matters or whatever which has obviously never been, never been so the case so let's, let's talk a little bit more about early Redmen and stuff and, and how it was because people people will have seen some of the early videos but it, it isn't 
what it was, is it, Redman? No, it's funny because there's a load of graphics that come up on me Facebook on this day, and you're going back a, a decade now, and it, it was it was originally pitched as like the LFC comedy show, effectively. It was more of an entertainment show. It was just talking a little bit about what was happening in, in, in footy, but it was largely just having a laugh and doing some sketches and taking the mick out of things that were happening in and around footy in general, but with all with the Liverpool slant to it. Um, and that, the evolution of that is funny because we, you know, that was, that was all us taking, taking the piss and, you know, dressing up as footballers and, and having a laugh or doing challenges and, and that kind of stuff was what, you know, that Again, making an entertainment show was what it was, and it's moved and moved more and more away from that as it's become it's become a bit more grown up, a bit more mature, a bit more polished as the, as the years have gone on. But yeah, it's night and day. God, those early ones are are genuinely. They were scripted, weren't they? Script. Some of the scripting, I, I I like some of the scripting on it because it tells you what we were trying to do. It was like when you're trying to do comedy, you've got to be, you've got to script. So a lot of it was like reacting to the World Cup stuff and that, and you know. So again, the problem with comedy is it's it's very subjective and it's very hit and miss. It was definitely more. I think than one it. of the I think one of the other issues is when you've got scripting, you need people who can act. Yeah, and I certainly can't fucking act. <laughs> We had we had some we had some good some good fun, but we found that groove that we realised eventually the easiest thing to do is just press record on the camera and just talk about footy. And once we once we realised that, then it was there. But it, yeah, it very much a different. It was a very different beast um, do you, back do you, then. Do you miss that fun stuff, Paul? Yeah, hundred percent. Because I'm always considering myself like a writer director. I never really wanted to be a presenter. I never really wanted to be in front of camera per se it was a uh, the problem you've got I always talk about this like if you're a musician if you're a guitarist you can take your guitar out and you can go and play and maybe you can, if you want to sing a bit you, you can do but you, you don't have to you can just go and play go and play your guitar when you're a writer you, 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 you've, you've written this script great well, where's that going to go? If you want someone to make it, you've got to convince someone to pay for it. You've got to convince someone to direct it. You've got to convince camera ops and you've got to convince the, a production company to take it on for you. And I got so frustrated with that that I ended up on doing as many of the roles as a, as a, as a humanly as a humanly could. But that was always it for me. I loved, I just, you know, we, we worked in the, in in the, in the tavern. I used to spend hours upon hours of my day in my own in my own head or having light conversations with people. Whatever. I had a notebook with me and I'd just be scribbling sketches and stuff down. So I loved that side of things. I've always preferred the the art of it, the craft of it. There's no craft to what we do anymore. It's established. We've established the rules around which Red Men is, is constructed largely. Um so like the you know, now it's just you turn up, you press go, you do a bit of mixing, you edit it, you chop it up, it goes out. Those days of like being able to go to to dream stuff. And that's where we reference it on here all the time. The Chapman series was probably the last time we really, really did something that was like that. Yeah! I'm not sure what's going to be happening. I'm sure the lads have got some uh, so, something going on, so I'll be joining in that. Um, maybe the things where we did, like the Mo Salah goals, recreated stuff last summer. Mo Salah can pick up the pieces and score! It's a goal for Liverpool. 
It's another goal for Mo Salah. Well, those are when you go, right, here's an idea. How do we go about constructing it? Yeah, this I is what I want it to look like. Yeah, I, mean, I do. I do very much miss that stuff. So where do you see yourself going over the next five years? It's a, it's a really interesting one because... Honestly, no idea. Because it's been a 10-year battle to get Redmen to be to establish itself and to and to be a self-sustaining entity to, for a, a battle for legitimacy a battle for you know for quality and now, you know and now we're entering a world where there's other people kind of doing similar things and now it's a bit of a battle to to maintain to, to remain on to remain on top um I've never really I've always had diff- there's always other things I wanted to try always other subject matters I wanted to get into but like at this point now I'm not sure where the next step comes there's plenty of I've got plenty of plenty of ideas, plenty of things I'd like to try, but the the hardest situation we're in now, and this is not, I say hard, this is a situation I would have begged to have been in any point up to like this point in, this point in my life, is that it's hard to now choose what your next step is going to be because when you've kind of made a success of something, you've got a bit of freedom to do what you want to do, but you're not so free as you can pour a hundred percent of your time into it. So to get you know Red Men has been a an act of absolute fucking lunacy for the last 10 years has been a obscene amount of dedication and time and effort and blood and sweat and tears lots and lots of tears that have gone into making it it's hard to then go back and start a new thing it's hard to decide what's the next best thing we had a comment i think it was on maybe the first or the second podcast and i forget whose name it was and and apologies but i think the comment was the general gist of it and this isn't verbatim by any stretch of the imagination was why are you used to doing this you've got red men we you'll there'll be a, a point in the future where you have to pick and you'll pick this as in mxp rather mm-hmm. than red men and stuff and you know i mean personally i was thinking i think personally i need this mm. i need something that's not just red men tv yeah. in my life i don't know whether you feel the same way yeah. and, and you know whether you know it's been 10 years of doing the same thing and a lot and listen it's changed year on year but ultimately we're still talking about football aren't we i am whenever i see like the who or metallica or god like the Rolling, you get to the really older bands and all that and they're doing the they're going out and the gigging and you realize that like a great example of like mccartney so paul mccartney a few months back and um he, he just he's not asked now so he's putting his new songs in with his with the, with, with the classics and all that but people aren't people aren't vibing with the new stuff as much as of course they're going to vibe with stuff they've had in their lives the whole time and, but I get a little bit of that is that you see, and you wonder like I always you compare it to musicians of like what do you do when you get when you reach a point do you do it side it becomes side projects but how often do side projects become as good as you you know are the last shadow puppets ever going to be as big as the Arctic Monkeys does it matter no but to to them to probably not but it depends it depends because it, I don't know because it depends what they get out of it because if Alex Taylor gets bored of the Arctic Monkeys you're not going to cut your nose off to spite your face you're not going to you know if maybe like, like Paul McCartney can do what he wants because he's got more money than he'll ever ever need in 10 lifetimes so we can just do whatever whatever the hell he wants but if you're not making if you've if, you know you need to reach a point where you've made enough money that you can be comfortable and 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 be able to do the other things because that's the that's the tough issue. Are is you need to be able to be you need jobs because here's the thing 
this is this is and this is why and it's a weird thing to say because this will fall on deaf ears to most people and fair play because most people do jobs that they hate because they think because you're supposed to you're supposed to hate your work and you're supposed to hate your life and you're supposed to hate your wife and you're supposed to hate all these things i disagree i think you're meant to love your job and i think you're meant to love your wife and i think you're meant to love your kids and you're meant to love all your, all, all these things so you constantly you, you should be striving to be happier in what you do and that's a very difficult thing to, to marry because when you look at what you're doing you should be made up and I am but I'm also the kind of person who co- likes to constantly move forward I get very bored doing the same thing a r- monotony is my biggest bugbear so I need to feel like, like, like a bit like a, you know like a shark I need to constantly be moving forward it's quite a draining way to live life I, I'm, I'm my own worst critic but I always feel like I need to be trying stuff and moving stuff so that's a very I'm in a very weird crossroads of things I, I love I'm really enjoying doing this because it's nice to have different forms of conversation but I, I look at you look at Redman it's hard to, it's hard, particularly because of the you know there's like no payoff it's like watching a porn video with no cum shot that's what Liverpool it's kind of been like with, with Redman I've loved every second of it it's been built up it's, it's got me where I am today but we haven't had that big blowout at the end that's, that, that you can go oh, I was there for that We we did that so it does become a little bit of like a how do you make that? How do you refresh that? How do you keep? How do you maintain your interest when you're basically playing? You know, you're playing smells like well, teen spirits after know, fucking ten, after yeah, ten years. You could look at Redman and let's say let's say we're doing the same stuff next season as we've done this season. Are we improving any? Is Redman getting better? How are we going to do that? You need to constantly move forwards, but you also need to move forwards with different things in your life, mm-hmm. like just the news topics that we're talking about today. You know, we can't talk about Brazil. We, we could maybe talk about Brazil's World Cup stadiums. Can't talk about Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I mean, when when did we get time to do that? We're in here like fucking fifty odd, sixty hours a yeah. week. You know what I mean? It's mad, isn't it? I think. I personally need this time to myself, and I think you're probably in exactly yeah, the same I just want to, yeah, and it, I, there's also just loads of things going on. I, I, what I, The reason why I ultimately got in front of the camera for Red Men was because I, and I, I wanted to build something, was because I, I was writing, I said, I was writing these scripts and sending them off, and I was fucking nobody. And so no one's got the time of day for these things. No one's going to overlook grammatical errors. It's like when you get sent a, a, a random CV. So much stuff just going, going in the bin, and I was watching people who had just a bit of fame and a bit of notoriety were walking into doors that were getting slammed in my face and these people had not done not no more talented than me no more charismatic than me no more anything that they had nothing going for them other than they'd made it a little bit earlier in life and so they had a little bit of a reputation that was opening doors for them and that's what I wanted to was get to a point where I could I could it, it would open doors for me so that's what I hope I'll reach in the next five years is that I can start to channel some of this and we're doing it with this you know and, and with my own channel and what have you is hopefully is just know more people be able to meet more people be able to expand the horizons a little bit because you know 10 years ago I was working part time for you shoveling shit out of a fucking cellar and all this kind of stuff you know and, and, and living on buttons a, a week and having a fucking and holes in my roof and all this kind of stuff like to make this all possible but hopefully it is just this is just that lull that I had the storm before it all yeah, it's, the, it's the, the plateau before the next stage yeah. and stuff and uh, listen a lot of people won't know this and probably the people who work with us don't know any of this stuff but we made a pact years and years ago didn't we like mm-hmm. when we were growing up that you know if one of us made it we'd take the other person with us obviously we discussed a couple of weeks ago how you were without a job and, and I, I then gave you that job and, and that platform to get back on your feet and equally you know you got me involved in Red Men have taken me on this journey ever since so yeah. you know I think I feel like you know we made a pact 15 years 
years ago, we've done it pretty good so far. Like, yeah. you know, there was other people that we've lost involved in that pact well, as well I, along I, the way, I, unfortunately. I, no, but it's true. But I always said about that, and it, it, that called me because you know, again, it's like kind of like the stuff on the top of losing my job a couple of weeks ago is that you, it, you take it as a personal front when people don't want to follow you on the journey but you have to you kind of come to realise people have got, got their own paths and I always use that, the line of like the hen that made the bread is the old parable about how the hen asks for, people for help in making the bread and then you know ultimately everyone wants a share of it when you when, when it's made but it's the people who want to help you along the way are the people that you want to you want to help in, in return and we've you know we've tried our best to do that that's how we've kind of constructed the business that we've done, the people who've come in here and worked the bollocks off, we've always tried to help and sort out and hopefully down the line people, hopefully we've made loads of like really talented people on the line who will help, who will drag us up, you know, further <laughs> in, in years to come. But no, it's been an amazing ride anyway. So we'll move on then. We've got a few questions from the uh, from last week's podcast that need to be answered and, and we'll start off with LFC Spectre. Hey guys, I have a question for both of you. What is the most underrated movie you've watched that no one talks about all of the time? Do Doom. It's that you know what it's it's not really underrated. It's not very good. I am, um, but I, if you did it have the rocking? Yeah, I've and, not seen and it. And Carl Urban as well. And um, who's that? He Doctor McCoy in the new Star Trek films. Judge Dredd in the recent reboot. Um, good actor. Um, very good actor. But yeah, it, it's it's fine. It's 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 a bit it's a bit thick. It's a bit stupid, and it it she wants in some some Doom tropes of like there's a first person perspective section of it. It's a bit crap, but I love. I love sci-fi horror. I don't like horror. I, I, I love sci-fi, and I can kind of handle sci-fi horror in the middle. Like, but yeah, it's a proper thick, thick as pig shit movie. But uh, if it's a, it's one of those films that you know, like a comfort film. I've seen it loads of times. I can just kind of throw it on and, and be engaged by it for an hour and a half. Mine is the greatest comedy film that's ever been written. That if you know, you know. If you don't know, you've never heard of it. Basketball. Yeah. I mean, there is literally no better comedy film that's ever been written. It's in there. It's for me because it's funny enough because I was watching it this week, wasn't I? Uh, re-watching it, I should say. And we we both that was like our in our university years. That was probably like the film we both watched the My most word. during that spell. That and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yes, great films. If you've not seen Basketball, though, it's Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park fame, uh, Team America, where the police, all that type of stuff. It is the funniest thing. I, I think. We're very much, I think we're a little bit like them in that it's that style of comedy that we like, you know, yeah. that's just downright stupid shit. Yeah, stupid shit with like, with like, like the South Park stuff that's got a, 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 got a bit of, if you, if you, if you prepare to look beyond the dick jokes, there's a bit of substance to it. Cause the, the other film, which I think actually think, I, I was thinking about this the other day, is more underrated that no one ever talks about is Orgasmo, yeah. which is actually came out. I think that came out the year before, and it's, I think it's actually funnier, and it's a, it's a, it's actually a better constructed film in some ways. But yeah, it's hilarious. But it's got like a great. It's 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 where they they I think the the Book of Mormon kind of stemmed from this because it's got a, it's got Mormon characters in it. Um, but yeah, it's got a it's got a heart underneath it. But on the top, it's it's basically a film about a, a guy who becomes a a Mormon who works in porn who becomes a porn superhero. Like so, yeah, it's brilliant as well. Yeah. To be fair, like um, Jesse Hutchinson. Oh, by the way, leave us yours in the comment section below. I might go and watch a few of them if they're good. Mm. Um, Jesse Hutchinson, as someone who can see their hairline going back, how does Chris deal with seeing the most perfect hairline in existence daily? Pulls obviously. Um, not very well, if I'm honest with you, Jesse. Um, it's definitely. Uh, I'd I'd love to purge my receding hairline if I could one week. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. Um, you want to risk wearing it wrong and being bald? This is true. Um, 
I think the only way I deal with it is every time he touches his hair, which is a lot, I think, well, that, that's just one more that's going to fall out early. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The, uh, you've had a good run, though, as we saw last week. Oh, yeah, it was all right. Like, you, you know what I mean? Good, don't don't get me wrong. Like, I'd like a full lock of hair. Yeah. Don't get me well, wrong. I think you should grow it out. I'm not going to grow it out, Paul. So, like, my, um, I'm not going to do anything you say like that. My, my cousin-in-law, uh, he had this thing where he was going, he was starting to recede, and he grew it out for like this final time, and it was just amazing. It was like... It grew just really long at the back, and it was did it on top like the best mullet I've ever seen in my entire life. You're not in that thing. You're, the thing is, that you, you you're not you're not bald. You know what I mean? No, That's I'm not bald yet. Yeah. I've got. I reckon I've got a good six years. Okay, six years. What are you gonna do? Shave it off. I'm gonna, gonna be shave a bald fella. Okay, I've got to be. Yeah, I don't mind. I'm I'm, I'm cool with that. Like I'm I'm accepting. Because I I'm of the opinion. Because like, I could, it could happen. Because I don't. I try not to take the piss. Because it, it can happen. It can befall anyone. Anyway. And your hair's going grey as well. Yeah, to oh, be yeah, fair. yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, which is, I, I, that's another debate thing of like I've always wanted to look like Reed Richards from the Fantastic so Four cool, yeah. with like the grey the grey temples. So I'm on the way to that. But um, I, I always wonder because if you do. Go starts to it just starts to go there, but you've got it in, in, in abundance elsewhere. You're not just going to shave your uh, you're not going to shave you're not going to shave it all off like so. Yeah, I, I I'm, I'm fascinated by the people's decisions. You've just got to get you've just got to get plenty more. Um, you've just got to get you you're gonna have to get more interesting glasses if you go bald though. I think so because that's what happens. Or just laser eye surgery. Laser eye surgery. Uh, oh no, but you can't grow beard. No, I can't. So you're gonna have to get like funky, thick rim glasses if you go bald. Because I would like, like, like Aubrey's dad did this he, for years. He was like doing the receding thing, and now he just looks dead cool because he's got the bald and he's got like, yellow, yellow rim glasses and all that. Kind They're of stuff, awesome, like. to be fair. Like, yeah. I'm not, to be honest, I've not really given it much thought. I, I don't give yeah. my hair too much thought, if I'm perfectly honest. Like, I really don't, as you can tell. Um, I've been doing this with my hair for years and years and years now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Garam Masala, I like what you've done there. Um, question for next week I believe everyone is world class at something I rate world class as top 1% worldwide what do you reckon you guys may be world class at for me it's Tony Oaks 2 remembering song titles and artist names and coming up with questions for my two favourite red men um, I think we found out last week yours what was it you wanted to you, you, know, you thought you could be an esporter oh no for, for Pro Evo 4 was it um, yeah I, I used to joke um that I was the um, the Steven Gerrard of Barwick back in the day, to which what an incredible response was, you're the Steven Gerrard of bullshit, which um, <laughs> <laughs> so I quite enjoyed. Um, no, I, I, um, I think we're probably in the top 1% worldwide of people who make Liverpool content. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. It's close. I don't know. I don't think. I'm, I don't think. My. I. I. I don't think I'm world class anything. And I think I sacrificed that. And I say sacrificed like I had a choice. I hate. I get. I hate doing the same thing over and over again. I'm the kind of person who I'd rather. Have, I'd rather be doing four things. I'm more. I'm more relaxed doing four things than I am doing doing one thing. So it meant that if I just focused on presenting, I'd probably be better. A better presenter. If I just focused on editing, I'd be a better editor, and so on and so forth. So no, I don't actually think I'm world class, or or could be world class at anything. No, the closest I think I've come was Mario Kart 64. <laughs> and that was the closest. I was I was point two of a second off a world record on Wario Stadium. Um, but ultimately, I want, I didn't have a world record. Um, and this is also probably six years after the game came out, so everyone else had stopped playing it. So I was probably world class at the time because no one was playing it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, genuinely, I don't think I've ever been world class at anything other than maybe moaning. I'm pretty decent pretty at good. moaning. Like, yeah. 
I do like a good, good old wind. Good moan on your life. I do. I like it. It fuels me. <laughs> it does certainly. Um, so we move on then to life coaching. Um, what is the best advice, Paul Machen, for a job interview? Um, so this comes from Banana Drama. I've had some terrible job interviews in the past, and it's a very, very simple, very simple thing. Is don't presume that you're better at things than you are. Now, there's a degree to which, you know, like fake it to make it is a thing. So project confidence, go in there and, and, and give it the beans. But for the love of God, don't don't go in without prep. Like I remember going into, I've been into two terrible job interviews. One of them was for Blockbuster, an assistant manager of Blockbuster a long, long time ago, because, you know, Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Um, and they asked me, like, talks about the, the advances in in, te- in technologies that were coming, and I had not thought about what was going to be happening in any way, shape, or form. So, the day, yeah, no, to, to be, be fair, fair, they didn't fucking see online, did they? But bear in mind, this is still Jeez. like this is like two thousand, this is Love like two thousand and six. So, the answer was Blu-ray, right? And instead of talking about Blu-ray, I did a five-minute diatribe about UMD. Um, which was the cartridges that the PSP took because I fucking knew it because I freaked out and couldn't talk. I totally forgotten Blu-ray existed, so I told them about how good that was. Now that's getting it wrong. That's getting it majorly wrong. Um, and the other one was also. I mean, if you'd have spoken about Netflix, you probably wouldn't have got the job, and yet you'd have been proved right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the Liverpool Channel streaming. Um, the the other terrible one that, that I got that I made a mistake on was um, sports. Direct for our uh, assistant manager interview for Sports Direct, and um, I basically walked in and told them the Sports Direct was shit. <laughs> I walked in and went, I had photos of like you're putting up these like luminous green cards, handwritten signs for Lonsdale trainees. What are you doing? That's a disgrace. Don't be doing that. And I basically went on to intimate that everyone who shops there is just scum, a scumbags, basically, because you can't afford to go and shop in JD or whatever. And the reason why, and it was like, and it was just like, uh, actually, our, our, our demographics and our clientele actually state that they have a blah, blah, blah. And I was like, because this is after... Uh, I, bullshit, well, yeah. I, I mentioned, obviously, the, 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 coming out of the... Um, British gas job and I hated it and I, but I'd been rubbed off and I thought this is how you got to be in sales you've got to be dead bolshy and, and, and talk about stuff so I was just talking about how like, yeah, there's a reason why it's, it's just basically scumbags you want to buy Lonsdale trades that's the only people who shop in there so you might want to make your, your things a bit more up market if you want to sell a few more blah 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 yeah don't, don't. I don't think I've got many good well any good advice really for job interviews I've not really been on many that I haven't got to be honest mm-hmm. with you and I don't know whether that is because I used to do me prep and stuff but from the other side of the table I used to sit there and the biggest bugbearer for me was dirty nails when you're going into a restaurant job and long dirty nails at that because these are things that customers see all the time. Yeah. So if you're going for a bar job, cut your fucking nails and clean them. You yeah. know what I mean? Or you're going to work in a kitchen, something like that. But we had we had the the, the, the absolute funniest guy you could ever work for at the tavern. Like um, Keith Gurney runs the tavern and he was, he was a maverick and he'd have a hundred incredible-ish ideas, but one of them would be the fucking diamond in the rough. And I, I, I as his GM, I used to... Have to bat away all the silly ideas, but some of the things to do. Going back to your question, where, with the job interviews, some of the things that he get us to do. So instead of job interviews, he got it into his head that we were having too many fucking. We we're spending too much time on job interviews, so he set up speed dating job interviews. That's what he wanted me to do. So the tavern is still doing this now. Actually, they will give you a time to turn up for, 
and they will interview as many people in two hours as physically possible. So you would get maybe a hundred people coming in for these speed dating job interviews and you'd have to go through them 30, 45 seconds, maybe two minutes maximum. So you'd have to get the, the person's personality would have to come across first. I would always say, and it, again, it's restaurants, it's not something that, you know, you need a degree for or anything like that. But I would always say, I can teach anybody to wait a table. Mm -hmm. It's not a difficult thing. Mm -hmm but I can't give you the personality to, to make the restaurant look good, yeah. you know what I mean, and speak to them and stuff like that. So we used to hire purely on personality and then hope that they had the drive and determination. One of the ways that we used to find out whether they'd have the drive and determination to do stuff was something Keith devised, and he'd tell them to, I want you to see if they can uh, carry oranges on a tray, Chris, to see how good they are. And I'd be like, Mm, really and he'd be like yeah you gotta make them carry oranges on a tray so I'd have these lads walking around with ten oranges on a fucking tray dropping them and he's like oh, you can't carry them Chris you can't work here and he'd be see you later mate and then he'd be like I wanna know if they've got the personality Chris so will you just do me a favour and ask them to sing your happy birthday so we'd sit down in a 30 second job interview and I'd be across the table and go hiya name I'm Chris general manager blah 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 John can you do me a favour can you sing me happy birthday Hey, do you remember John Crawford who worked there? Yes. Right, John Crawford. So he was one of the guys who I asked for happy birthday and he fucking belted it out. Happy birthday to you in a restaurant with people sitting down and eating. He sat across the table in a job interview singing happy yeah. birthday to me. And it was years later, he got promoted. I think we went later and then we promoted him to a duty manager and I ran into him in town. And he got the job. Um, did he make it up to manager? No, we had to shack him in the end. But uh. well, we, did, we did, and he met, he met me in town years later, and he was like, that fucking job interview, Chris, and I was like, I'm so sorry, mate, Keith used to tell me to do all that shit, I wouldn't be asking you to sing happy birthday, and he was like, I'd been out of work for like five months, I would have done anything at this point <laughs> and you asked me to sing you I, can't have this job <laughs> all you need to do is suck my cock <laughs> he said his heart sunk and he was like need a job here we go and he just belted happy birthday like so so give your best self the only alternative to this of course is that I, I got I effectively got us the job with Ball Street by walking in, in and telling them that all their content was shit but I was right and we made it loads better at the time. But yeah, that's another story for another day. Um, listen, if you want more life coaching from, from the experts in life, that is me and Chris, um, let us know yours in the comments or you can tweet at Mr. Blood Red or at the Paul Machin as well. Use hashtag uh, life coaching if you're going to use Twitter for all that stuff. And uh, because we are on Spotify and we are on uh, iTunes and all that good stuff as well, make sure you leave a five-star review, leave a good positive review as well because it all helps. It does. Um, and yeah, Topics, questions, all that stuff you want us to discuss in the future, let us know in the comments on that as well. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Make sure you share the video. If you've enjoyed the podcast, share it with your friends as well. That's the all-important thing. And other than that, should we, should we be back next week? Yeah, we should be back next week. Cool. MXP number five, baby. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.